Welcome to the Press On Podcast. Expect to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened. In this episode, we'll hear from Julie Trotman on the Holy Spirit Angel. Hi, folks. I'd like to share some thoughts about the Holy Spirit Angel. So, who or what is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit a power or a person? Was the Holy Spirit just a New Testament thing? What is the name of the Holy Spirit that Jesus said we should be baptised into? These are all questions that I had never found satisfactory answers for until now. The Holy Spirit is normally associated with the New Testament because the words Holy Spirit occur many times more in the New Testament, 94, than in the Old, 2. But I believe that a beautiful, continuous theme throughout both Testaments has been lost in translation. The theme of God's presence with his people through a special sanctified angel called the Holy Spirit. The Hebrew word for spirit in the Bible, ruach, has many different meanings. It can mean breath, character, wind or power. And sometimes it just means a spirit being, that is, a person made of spirit as opposed to flesh. Here's an Old Testament example. Finally, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord. That's 1 Kings 22 verse 21. And a New Testament example using the equivalent Greek word pneuma is, are not all angels ministering spirits? That's Hebrews 1 verse 14. It was this reference that sowed the seed for the idea which I would like to share in this article. Angels as Spirits While looking at the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, I noticed that an angel of the Lord talked to Philip, and yet later it says the Spirit told Philip, and then the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Since angels are spirits, could these verses be talking about the angel as a spirit being, i.e. the spirit being told Philip? And if so, what about other places in the Bible? Amongst the verses where we take the word spirit to mean either God's power or God himself, could we be missing references to angels themselves? It was just a thought. But when I found Isaiah 63, I was hooked on researching this. Here in Isaiah, we read about the angel of God's presence who saved Israel from Egypt and then accompanied and guided them to the promised land. Isaiah calls this angel God's Holy Spirit, whom he put within Israel. The angel of God's presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Then his people recalled the days of old, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd of his flock? 
Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown? That's Isaiah 63, 9 to 12. To find out exactly what had happened, and just in case this angel was somehow an impersonal messenger, I went to the Exodus account. Here God explains that he's going to send an angel to guard the people of Israel and guide them to the promised land. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, God says in Exodus 23 verses 21 to 22. This is clearly a real angel, a being separate from God himself, because God is talking about him. God says, do not rebel against him in case they feel they can get round him because he's just an angel rather than God. But this particular angel carries both the name and the authority of God. He is, in effect, a channel through which God can act, meaning that God can be right there with them through him. He is God's glorious arm of power, according to Isaiah, who informs us that, unfortunately, they did rebel against him. In New Testament times, Stephen says of the Judaic leaders of of his time, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 7 verse 51. Stephen has just referred to the angel who appeared to Moses in the bush, as well as the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. His accusation echoes that of Jesus, who warns the people not to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, as this is far worse than blaspheming against himself, because in effect it's blasphemy against God. My name is in him. God said of the angel, my name is in him. This angel speaks on behalf of God, speaking in his name. So here I believe we are being told the name of the Holy Spirit that Jesus refers to when instructing about baptism. It's not the Holy Spirit's personal name, but God the Father's name. Jesus was also given God's name and came in God's name. He also prayed, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. That's John 17 verses 11 and 21. So when we're baptised into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it's all the Father's name, not three separate individual personal names. As Paul says, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's Colossians 3 verse 3. Otherwise, what do you think this phrase means? I must admit that at my baptism, I was worried I was being baptised into the Trinity. I will be with you. God often assures people, I will be with you. And I believe he does this through the angel of his presence. God says to the Israelites, 
My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then we find that they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. I began to look back at other places where an angel represents God. An angel representing God's presence explains how God can talk to people like he was stood right there with them, because the angel would be. It explains the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden, and later how Cain left the presence of God. It would be this angel talking to Cain. Isn't it wonderful that the angel of God's presence came out of the garden with Adam and Eve and stayed with them? This is an amazing glimpse into God's loving care for those who belong to him by trusting in him, whatever mistakes they might make on their way. I believe the angel of God's presence continues to be with God's people and that this is what the Holy Spirit is all about. As we read in the Psalms, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. That's Psalm 34, 7. One angel can't really camp around someone, but one angel in charge of a whole host of angels can. Elisha experiences this angelic deliverance and his servant even sees the host of angels. Similarly, at Jericho, the captain of the host of the Lord appears to Joshua just before the city's conquest. If we continue reading, we find that the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. That's Joshua 6 verse 2. It makes perfect sense for this to be the captain of the host talking to Joshua here, representing the Lord. In fact, Joshua has just been told to take his shoes off, the very thing that Moses was told to do when he talked with the angel of the Lord who represented God in the burning bush. I believe this captain is the same special authorised angel, the Holy Spirit. Michael, the Archangel. Scripture indicates that there are ranks of angels. Jude mentions Michael, the Archangel, and Daniel tells us Michael is one of the chief princes and the great prince who protects your people. Maybe Michael is this captain. If we connect Jude with the likely parallels in Zechariah 3 and Nehemiah 4, Michael is the angel who opposes Israel's adversaries during the rebuilding of the temple. Interestingly, in Hebrew, his name means who like God. Looking back, there's plenty of evidence for this special angel in the lives of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Abraham entertains three angels, one of whom is called the Lord. And Hosea tells us that when Jacob struggled with God, he struggled with the angel. When Jacob is blessing Joseph's sons, he says, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. Moses is told by God, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob 
as God Almighty. That's Exodus 6 verse 3. So now we have another trail of evidence for this angel under the name of God Almighty. El Shaddai, burly, powerful one. Remember, Isaiah 63 tells us that the Holy Spirit was sent as God's arm of power. But continuing with Moses, we read that God talked with him face to face. The word for presence in Hebrew also means face. So the angel of God's presence is the face of God, his interface, because God's face cannot be seen, as Moses was told and as Paul affirms. God, whom no man has seen or can see. 1 Timothy 6 verse 16. Early in Judges, we read, The angel of the Lord went up and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land I swore to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant. That's Judges 2 verse 1. So the angel representing God is still with them at the time of the judges. At the time of the kings, God affirms to Israel that he himself had gone camping with them. But we know it was actually the angel of his presence travelling with them. After the return from captivity, the Levites declare, You, God, gave your good spirit to instruct them, and by your spirit you warned them through the prophets. And God himself says, I am with you. My spirit remains among you. That's Haggai 2 verses 4 and 5. And so he does right to the end of the Old Testament. New Testament. The language changeover from Hebrews in the Old Testament to Greek in the New now causes some confusion. In Hebrew, the miraculous power that God gives people is called the Spirit, Ruach again, or the Spirit of God, which fills people like Bezalel. In the New Testament, the same miraculous gift which fills people is called Holy Spirit. There's no definite article, no the, in the Greek in these occurrences of the words Holy Spirit. But other occurrences in the New Testament do have the definite article in the Greek, the, the Holy Spirit. I believe these refer to the Holy Spirit angel, which Isaiah named as the Holy Spirit back in Isaiah 63. Unfortunately, in our English translations, both Holy Spirit without the and the, the Holy Spirit with the are generally translated as the Holy Spirit, whether the Greek has a definite article or not. This makes the Holy Spirit sound sometimes like an impersonal power and sometimes like a person, because both power and person are in the text. This can be confusing. To show what a difference it makes when we accurately distinguish between these two uses, Two lists are provided as bonus material for you to peruse at your leisure. When the verses are separated out, the angel of God's presence, named as the Holy Spirit, jumps back into the text. You will see that Holy Spirit is power inside people, while the Holy Spirit person is an outside influence. 
This Holy Spirit angel is specially commissioned by Jesus to work with the disciples, doing the same job he did for Israel. He lives with God's people, teaching, guiding and protecting them, just like he did for Israel. He's even called an advocate, comforter, like he was for Moses. Suddenly, verses such as, The Holy Spirit said, separate for me, Barnabas and Saul, make perfect sense. Here he is representing God again. In conclusion, I am passionate about this idea of recognising that the Holy Spirit is an angelic being because it solves so many textual problems and throws light on so many verses. It binds the whole Bible together in one consistent story, that of God being right here with us, his people, willing us on, helping, guiding and protecting us, being the loving, caring and compassionate God we know he is, always has been and always will be. There are many more facets to this fascinating idea, including the suggestion that the Holy Spirit angel himself distributed Holy Spirit gifts. Or how about a direct correlation between these verses? But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. That's John 16 verses 13 to 15. And the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's Revelation 1 verses 1 to 2. You see, there is so much to explore. We hope you enjoyed listening to this article by Julie Trotman. For more, you can visit pressonjournal.org.